0: Oh la, la the podcast is brought to you in association with Expedia. Expedia offers thousands of hotel deals to suit all tastes and budgets. From bed and breakfast, affordable hostels, five-star hotels and everything in between. There is something for everyone. Just go to expedia.co.uk to find your ideal place to stay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Oh la la with me, Fred C.R.E.X. Oh la la. I just had a big grin on my face as I said oh la, la and it happens every time I say or hear it. What's really interesting is that the same happens when others do the same thing. It's like we are all conditioned with the same reaction to the sound of this word. Let me do it again. Oh la la. You see, it works. I think it's because it's kind of naughty, isn't it? It's like a feel-good sensation you get as you hear it and the brain just can't help but to react positively to it and we just smile automatically and without even thinking about it. It makes you light on your feet, it makes you feel awake because it is pure pleasure and goodness. Life can be so hard, so unpredictable and we all have a share of pain, but Olala takes it away in a flash. It encapsulates what Socrates was saying, the meaning of life is about the pursuit of virtue, basically knowing what is good and bad, right and wrong. Olala brings about the best in people, In the end, what matters in our relationships is whether there is trust. And this is what I'm seeking a special encounter. Life in all its beauty. Oh la la, that's so exciting. And today, I'm even more so excited because I'm joined by the incredible Sadie Frost. How are you, Sadie? I'm very good, thank you very much. I'm really happy to see you. And, you know, it's funny because today, just now, as you arrived, you said to me that you have difficulty focusing on things or choosing one thing. Mm. And and I've asked you to bring a quote that encapsulates your philosophy of life. And you said to me that, you know, you you could have chose so many, but in your life you've done so many things. I mean, you're a producer, you're an artist,
1: Mm. you're an actress. I think I get bored quite easily. I think I'm very driven and I think I have a lot of ambition and definitely want to try, you know, different things out. But I think when it comes to, like, choosing things, like I remember being at school and people say, who's your favourite pop star or what's your favourite album? And and then you'd feel that pressure and everyone's looking at you and there's that kind of slight fear. And I think in my life I have definitely been driven by a bit of fear and, and not fitting in and not being accepted. And I think that's probably made me want to achieve more because I think I've got to prove more. But the interesting thing is you know, everything you're kind of experiencing in your life and, and you're going through it, it's all a journey. And if you can be learning and you can be changing and you can be combating darkness or demons or any of the things, then, you know, you see a progression and, and there's a reason for living. So it kind of all makes sense to me, all of this together.
0: But but fear seems like it was a bit your friend because, I mean, you've you've had success in your life.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, I have had success, but, you know, there's been challenging times and there's been lovely, successful times. And I'm very blessed because I've got great friends and family and beautiful children but, you know, everything I have, I've had to fight for. Everything, you know, I've I've, I've had in my life, illness or, or lost very close family members or suffered from depression. So nothing was handed to me on a plate. And I think you really appreciate it when you've had to fight for it and really work hard. And, you know, have a really strong work ethic and really appreciate people close to you and not kind of, you know, go through life upsetting other people or being blasé and really trying to have a conscience. So... You know, I really see that there is good and bad and and you know I've tried to pursue goodness to pursue the good, yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, what you don't want really is that that fear that's going to paralyze you, and then yeah. you're not going to do anything because some people i mean I know you do a lot of work with homelessness, yeah, and some people you know who are in 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 that situation really I'm sure they can be paralyzed or something has gone wrong, and it just they just can't can't see. A- anything that that, I mean, that could be good for them.
1: The interesting thing, and, and I'm very at the moment in, in the middle of a situation where I live quite near to a, a tube station and every morning I'd go on the tube and I would see this boy there. Everybody, no one looks in his eyes, no one talks to him. And over the years, you know, he's been there five years living homeless and I've kind of helped him in the winter with coats and keeping him warm and food and all that kind of stuff. And then I started talking to him and hearing his story. Anyway, it was like, I have a responsibility to help this person. I can't just keep walking. You know, people don't even, they you know, give them a pound because that clears their conscience. And for me, it was like, you know what, I'm going to help this person. And on Wednesday, I actually am taking them to get an assessment, to get a detox. Um, And the thing is...
0: What, is a drug addict or is he alcoholic or...? I think
1: the thing is, like, if you have been thrown out of your home at, like, you know, a young age or you've left home at 15, 16 and you go down to London and you think you're going to... somewhere to live and obviously and and it's difficult and you become homeless it's very hard not to get on drugs because people are um, targeting you to get you to be you know drug dealers for them so you're kind of a vulnerable person and people are going to target you so you know a lot of people that do live on the streets do get on drugs, and then they're never going to not live on the street. So it just becomes, and then there's no funding f- to help them. Or, and so, so for me, it's like very important. It's to, an endless
0: cycle, and you. An endless get out cycle,
1: of- and I, and I just want to kind of sometimes see somebody and think, you know, I want to help you and change your life, and you know. So I, I support kind of hands-on people that I kind of get friendships and relationships with that I get to know in the local community. But I also work with Centrepoint. I'm an ambassador for Centrepoint. And I, you know, I think nobody should be living homeless in, you know, in this day and age. And, and it's it's just crazy. There's loads of empty buildings everywhere. And, people, they, you know, the community could all put a bit more in, I think, to help people. Yeah,
0: there's something that you said just now about the responsibility. I think it's true that we all have a responsibility to make the world a better place. And if we took it upon ourselves to do something good and work to change things for the better, then things would change for the better, really.
1: I mean, I think everybody thinks that they, you know, they do do things. I mean, everyone has a conscience to some degree, but it is like I think people have to put themselves out a, a bit more than they are doing. I mean we're all living you know there's a lot it, it's so extreme people have you know live comfortable lives and some people have nothing and and i think we all need to be doing a bit more you know and you know all of us can do with a little less to help the people who need mm-hmm. more
0: but you said that you you had to work so hard for everything that you've achieved and that you got but uh, you started very early Because when you were three or four years old or something like that, you already appeared in commercials.
1: That's right. My mum was 16 when she had me and my parents had run away from home and we were living...
0: Was it like love at first sight for the two of them? What was it? I
1: think so. I mean, I think he was an artist and he asked to draw her and he was quite a powerful man and my mum's parents were Catholic and she knew that, that they would never let her be with my father, so they ran away. She was 16 and she was left the hospital with a, a newborn baby, he was homeless, didn't have anywhere to live. So I guess that's one of the reasons why I want to help homeless people because, you know... I, feel I a connection. I, a connection and, and I... You know, experience that to some degree as a child. So, so my mum, you know, had me when she was young, and then she was doing little bits of extra work and supporting artists' work in films, and she put me onto an agency, uh, an acting agency, modelling agency, and I started doing commercials at three or four, I guess, to help pay the bills. So, but I wanted to be an actress. You know what I mean? I, Incredible. I always wanted to do it, and and that's so I started young. I started working at three or four. Yeah.
0: Wow. And how many careers have you had?
1: So I started off being an actress and then I did fashion designing. So I had my own, um, it was swimwear, lingerie, we did bags. Ooh-la-la. Ooh-la-la. La. Yeah, very ooh-la-la. La. <laughs> and um, it was called Frost French. And then I got into film production and then I also write, started a film company called Blonde to Black Pictures with um, a couple of friends. And now we've we've produced three feature films and three short films, about to do um, in the next year another three and I've just launched my own kind of mini yoga line. It's called Frost. And it's based on um, chakras and healing and positive energy. It's, it's you know it's very heartfelt. It's very, it, it's very close to me. I wanted to do something that, you know, I, I think I want to just do things that...
0: How I, can you be so creative and so commercial in the same time? Because sometimes, you know, people are mm, creative. They're not commercial and vice mm, versa. How
1: can you be both? I, I don't know. I just, I'm just... I'm trying to do things that I enjoy and I love and to be true to myself and just keep going and then i and I do have a, an exit plan I, I don't see myself like some people want to just work and work forever. I really do see that I'm just being pushed somehow in the direction of India because the yoga stuff's all mm-hmm. very indian and then and the films that i'm I'm choosing are based in India, so I think that's what my end goal is just to create work for myself over there because I love it so much
0: and where do you see yourself in India?
1: So I love it up in the Himalayas. I've got a friend of mine that just is opening a yoga place up where the Dalai Lama lives. I go to Rishikesh sometimes, northern Goa, Kerala. just want to travel around, really. Oh, my,
0: Goa and Himalayas are very different.
1: No, I know. Well, that's the thing. I don't I don't have a favourite, you see. Right. I can't choose anything. So, you know, I like to do everything. Right. <laughs> Maybe that's why I've got all these crazy different jobs, because I can't concentrate on one thing.
0: But you concentrate long enough to do good things, though.
1: I hope so. I hope so. But I also think, you know, I do do good things, and I am driven, but, you know, the best things that I have done is been the mother to my four kids. And, you know, the eldest one is 28, and right. then you've got 28-year-old, 22-year-old, 18 and 16. And, and that, 16
0: is your little girl, right? And
1: No, no, 16 is a little boy, oh, Rudy, okay. and then Iris is 18. And basically, you know, I have to kind of... You know, I have to, even though they're all grown up, you have to be so focused on being the perfect. Well, not the perfect, there's no such word as perfect, but being a good role model for them and helping them and making sure that they're happy. And I mean, it's a lot of work, but you know, that's been my biggest achievement is making these four human beings that seem. No, I
0: understand. I exactly yeah. feel you, the same way as you have two children, yeah. 15 and 10. And uh, yeah, that's the most beautiful thing I've done and we never yeah. do. You can't, yes. you can't top that.
1: So it doesn't, you know, anything anyone else says like, oh, great, you did that, You know, yeah, that's all fine. But, but that is the most important thing to me.
0: Right. So what's all I love for you in your life?
1: Well, the funny thing is, I, like, I do actually use that expression myself. Do you? I do. Um, it is something that... I can be quite cheeky and, and flirty and I hadn't thought about it t- till today and it is something that sometimes just rolls off my tongue and I do text it a lot. So if do somebody you? says it's like one of those things or put it on Instagram, you know, ooh <laughs> la la. Like, ooh la la. But um, I think... But why
0: people say that because you're, you're obviously British, right? Yeah. And when you said it, you went ooh la la. Mm-hmm. You know... People in, in England say it and they put on this accent when they say ooh-la-la.
1: Yeah, how should I say it? I don't know.
0: No, no, it's ooh-la-la. good the way you say it, but it's funny I how we... I think I would
1: think of somebody like, you know, quite Marilyn Monroe or Diana Dawes or Jay Mansfield. You know, in my mind, even though it's French, it it's quite old Hollywood as well. I think for me, it would be...
0: He's quite sexy then, ooh for sexy. you. quite
1: sexy, yeah. And I think, you know... The thought of, like, I'm going out f- tonight with some friends and we're all going to... And this happens less and less as I've got older because I don't go out so much, but we're all going to dress up and we're going to put some nice, maybe nice little satin kind of pencils go on and it might be quite ooh-la-la.
0: Yeah, very ooh-la-la, you know and I, and
1: I think I'm going to really make an effort to feel good and sexy and make it... Yeah, because I don't often, you know, walking around a lot of the time in my trackies and because I'm running on the tube and going to get to this meeting and that meeting and I don't have the time to dress up. But I think tonight I want to be very ulala and that kind of thing of just being really connecting with your best girlfriend and you know getting ready together and and that kind of thing and um dancing, you know, really enjoying my life. So anything that where I'm connecting to life could be quite la And I think also you could even apply it to something like yoga because I love yoga. And, you know, like, say, for instance, like, you know, doing an amazing balance or something quite kind of um, abstract. And that you know you could do something that's quite mystic, and that could be quite ulala.
0: Yeah, indeed, very ulala. Mm-hmm. Tell me, Sadie, I've asked you to uh, bring a quote, and you just told me that you couldn't just yeah. bring one because obviously you, you you have so many things in your head. But yeah, so many different bring...
1: sides. Yes. <laughs> different <laughs> so, uh, what did you bring for me? Um, well, this one's quite simple. It's um, an Oscar Wilde quote, and it's just say, and it, it's just um, be yourself. Everyone else is taken. And and that is a really good one because it reminds me, because of part, a lot of my life when I was younger, I was always thinking about other people and thinking what other people thought and trying to compare myself to other people. And I think, you know, it, this is like be yourself, everyone else is taking, because you can never be somebody else. What's the point in wasting all that time trying to think about what that person wants or people please, all that kind of thing. So I think that's quite a simple but but very... Um, but
0: is it one of the, the benefits of getting older, really? because you, you you get to know yourself I know I'm 47 now yeah. you know what and, and uh, I was telling my partner I, just last night you know I you know now I'm 47 and, and I really like myself yeah I feel good about me well, whereas when I was 27 you know it was a time when I'm thinking am I happy about this do I want mm. that you know and, and, and I was finding my way through life really
1: I mean and I mean and it's great that you are feeling happy and and feeling good about yourself and and I do too and I think but then there's a lot of people that as they get older, they they feel less happy and they feel less connected and they Why feel. Why do you think that is? Well, maybe because they haven't done what they wanted to do or the things haven't turned out the way they wanted it, them to be. But you know, it's about acceptance and all that kind of stuff. But I think, I think. But you
0: know something about me, for example, I never thought that I would be doing, for example, this podcast. You yeah. know, Twenty years ago, I never thought. You know, people say to me, "What's your five-year plan? What are you going to do in five years?" I have no idea. I'm just going to carry on, you know, doing mm. what I like, meeting great people, doing my best, working hard, as you were mm. as you were saying, and then we'll see where life takes me. But I have no idea where I'll be in five years.
1: Well, I kind of, you know, that's how I've always been in my life. And I think that's quite good, because I think if you set yourself these restrictions, you're just going to be resentful if things don't happen. So it's nice to kind of go with the flow and all of that kind of stuff. But. I think as I've got older, I've become more comfortable with myself because I've been more confident, but just not really. I've learned that all the people that I actually did care about for years and years and really thought mattered and would put them in front of my kids or my, my husband or whatever, sometimes those people were, they didn't deserve that. So now I have my friends, I have my family, and I have the people that I really love, but, you know, I will put myself first and, you know, not bother about, in, I mean, that sounds like slightly narcissistic, and, but what I mean is it's like enjoy who I am. No, not I understand what you're wishing saying. wishing like I was somebody else.
0: It doesn't mean that you're selfish yeah. or you're self-centred. Yeah. I mean, if you can't make yourself happy first, yeah. how can you make somebody else happy? Exactly.
1: So in the last few years, it's happened, and there's such a, an, an amazing amount of freedom. To just, to It's like, phew, I can just breathe. You know, I'm comfortable in my own skin. I'm happy. and. Um, content and, you know... But the
0: thing is, you've done so many things in your life. I mean, everything that you've done up to the moment when you were three and you appeared in these commercials, mm. to to today, for example, you know, some people maybe would just do not even a a fifth of what you've done Mm -hmm. and they would be so happy to have done that, but you've just done so much, so...
1: I think I went full speed ahead and crammed a lot in, but I think... You know, for me now, it's like even on. You know, I I do enjoy having time where I'm doing nothing now, and and I, because I can, I'm just comfortable. I can just really enjoy it. Like I love meditating. You know, I, I'm.
0: A, How long do you meditate every day?
1: So so I've and I've been meditating for quite a few years now, but more and more in the last year or two, doing you know anything from twenty minutes to a, an hour or two. But I I do all these kind of like I get quite obsessed with them. There's this one that I've been doing recently, which has been really. I find really soothing, which is the Deepak Chopra Abundance Challenge, and every and it's just about really kind of um, being grateful for the good things, you know, like we don't need lots of, you know, whatever we need, you know, sometimes just the smell of a flower or you know that bit of chocolate that you eat or that recipe, and really appreciating the things in life that that are so much more, you know. I've um, tried
0: meditation, you know, Sadie, mm. but every time I do it, you know, and I, I go into that that maybe not trance but a kind of space where I feel like like I'm meditating Mm. and then I'm thinking about something I'm thinking Mm. about sending an email or I'm thinking about the sound of the fridge or something and then poof it's gone
1: but the thing is, I find it so hard. But 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 if you you know you just it's like anything. It's like going to the gym and 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 learning to lift weights. You you know things will come into your mind, and rather than beat yourself up and punish yourself for for things coming to your mind, because everything will come. Things will come in. You just let it kind of come in, and then go out, and you just push it out, and then and then eventually your mind will just start kind of being it, finding it easier to just find some kind of peace and some space and be calm and then you just start feeling It's like so amazing, the feeling. the try the abundance one.
0: Okay, I'll look it up. In a way, I think that when I, I meditate the most is when I do my exercises in the morning. Yeah you know, when I do my push-ups, for example, or other exercises, because I have to concentrate on my body, I have to listen to my heart, the the, the flow of blood, and this is when I think I'm I'm at most at one with my body.
1: Yeah, so that that's good because, you know, some people want to just lie down and do nothing and, and try and kind of create something that's going on in their head and, and then it becomes a physical thing, or some people will do the gym or a walking meditation. I've started doing this other one, which is, um, you know, the hula hoop you know, uh-huh. the hula hoop. I've, I've got one of those, and I put the, and I just do the hula hoop for twenty minutes, and that is a meditation. Well, you got like that, and
0: you and you yeah, shake your yeah, waist, and because
1: I wanted to get a, more of a waist, because I just go straight down, and then I, and, but then I started doing the hula hoop, and I was like, this is like.
0: But is it meditation, or yeah. are you just trying to perfect the art of hula No, hooping? Because
1: I completely zone out, so my mind is, you know, in a meditative state because I'm zoning out, and that, and if you can, it's about kind of just zoning out and letting. It, it, it's a process that it's very hard to describe, but you. You know, it just feels really ooh-la-la, I guess. It does, it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> so, yeah, try
0: it. <laughs> I'll try, I'll try it. This podcast is brought to you in association with Expedia. Now, you all know that I like things in my life to run smoothly. At work, in my restaurant, at home, and especially when I am away travelling. Expedia offers loads of great deals on flights, activities, and accommodation all in one place. So you can book your trip, save money, and ensure everything runs as smoothly as my life. Oh la la! What about the uh, the other quotes that you uh, brought, uh, Sandy?
1: Um, so this is one by Martin Luther King, and it's... Um darkness cannot drive out darkness only light can do that hate cannot drive out hate only love can do that cuz you know you do see in this kind of world at the moment where there's so much negativity there's so much darkness there's so many mean things and people you know tit for tat and all that kind of stuff and it's just reminding ourselves that if someone does something bad to you you mustn't you know to do something bad back you only any time i've ever done anything bad to anybody and you know and I've never killed anything because I don't eat animals I've never eaten a, a fish or meat or anything or I mean even like you know those um th- there's that uh, religion where they can sweep before they walk along you mm-hmm. know because um, I don't want to kill a fly so but I don't want to actively do something that would ever hurt anybody. and I think it's just reminding ourselves that you know we are living in quite dark times and we need to always like if something like that happens is is create light you know if the more light and love we create the better and that's going to be better in us because if you do something bad to someone else who's hurt you you're only going to be feeling dark and horrible and as negative as them so so there's you know there's two very very different quotes uh, but two you know two things that really um, but both really of them are,
0: are very much in the spirit of all Allah. But I, yeah. I agree. I mean, obviously, I think everybody would agree with Martin Luther King. Uh, but darkness has always been here. It's always been yeah. around and he's still here now. But it's true that love is the only thing that can chase darkness. The mm-hmm. thing is, what, what, what I see sometimes, and you see that online sometimes, Everybody is posting their quotes on Instagram and, and Twitter and what have you. And then you see them in the same breath. The minute later, you know, spewing pewing hate out. And you I think, know. how can you go from this to that? Like and ranting. Yes, like- prophecy that you are mm-hmm. actually spreading love mm-hmm. or that you believe in love because th- that doesn't equate to me. Mm-hmm. I don't
1: get it. I know. And I mean, yeah, there has always been darkness and, and all this kind of stuff, but but there is a kind of, what happens I think is because we are, there's so much news, we're knowing so much that's going on in the world and it's good to be informed and all that kind of stuff, but we're constantly like news addicts looking on you know, the internet or watching the news or what's on Instagram. As soon as something bad happens, everyone's like going, you know, and it becomes this slightly like this, kind of, we're all involved in this rage and it's, it creates... Don't you think
0: we're being manipulated? I think so. I mean, uh, when I was at school, I remember one of my teachers saying to me, you know, look at all the adverts and and, and see who they are going to benefit Mm -mm. and read also all the articles and think about the people who are writing it and and why they are being Mm -hmm. written and in which direction they are going and I will tell you why they are there. And um, I think that a lot of the thing that we see in the news is exactly like that because it's mm. going to benefit somebody. So we're being manipulated into thinking a certain mm. way.
1: Um, I watched a documentary on the, is it the Cambridge?
0: The Great Hack.
1: The Great Hack, yeah. So I watched that, which was just terrifying. It literally had the worst anxiety just because that was about the, meat what's it called, the Analytica?
0: Yes, the Cambridge yeah. Analytica, yeah. yeah. And
1: at my, I was just like, oh my God, this is unbelievable that, this is allowed or this is happening and we're being, you know, all brainwashed and manipulated and, you know, it terrifies me. And, and more and more, you know, I, I don't really go on Facebook or Twitter anymore. I am on Instagram because I'm quite a visual person. But I'm le- I'm just finding it very difficult to even, you know, put my phone away a lot now. Mm. And I think that maybe, yeah, I just try and just leave it places and just turn it off because... Because it, we're, we're so plugged into it. So I mean, we are about
0: the same age, right? And when we grew up, there was no telephone. I, I was telling my son the other day, I said to him, mm. Luno, in the old days, when I, when I was your age, if yeah. you wanted to call somebody, you yeah. had to call when they were home. yeah. And the phone was fixed to the wall. You know, you couldn't go into the bathroom to take the call. It was fixed where you and were. And there
1: was such a, a certain amount of freedom to, like, be able to just walk away from it and walk down the street and hear the birds tweet and, and look at the trees. Whereas now none of us are present. Well, none of us are doing that. Because if you look, everyone's just consumed with their phones. And I read got...
0: somewhere that when you are on social media, you're very close to people who are far away and you are far away to those people who are close.
1: Yeah, no, that's true.
0: It's quite a good way to put yeah, it, isn't it?
1: No, and it, and it is, it is scary, and it is. But hopefully, it will change. But I don't know.
0: How do you think it can change?
1: Because I think maybe we're just all going to get so sick and feeling so awful about it. You know, it just gets so like nasty and negative and icky. You just think, mate. You know, it is. It, it, you do feel that it takes away from the ooh la la moments of our life. You know, so maybe you know, the more we get rid of it and people are going to go, well, let's go on holiday but leave our phones. Let's have a weekend with the family but let's not have our phone on. I'm Mm. sure that's going to happen more and more.
0: I'm not sure it's going to happen, this one. Oh, I don't think so. Because then you think, you know, because sometimes I want to leave my phone at home, but then I think, what about if I have an emergency? I need to call somebody. So I'm taking my phone, but then my phone has got my emails, got apps, all sorts of things. Get
1: get the little old Nokia one that just, you know, just has a hotline to an emergency, but no one can get hold of you for emails or checking your Instagram because it is like a hamster, you know, on the wheel. I'm just, you know, I'm going, all right, check my Instagram, check this, check that. And you're just like, and 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 by the end of it, you just feel like, wow, what a waste of time.
0: I know, totally, exactly, mm. exactly what, what I feel. I mean, it's like dating, for example. A lot of people go on Instagram or Tinder or whatever to, to date, but then the thing is they spend all this time then to spend, to not spend, to waste time talking to people rather than meeting them in person. Mm-mm. You okay. know, the whole point of actually having these apps is to meet somebody. And for me, it's about meeting people. You know, mm. that, that's what I like. I like meeting Absolutely. people.
1: Yeah, I've never um, done one of the dating apps. so I don't know. I have friends and who've done it, so... I've only heard from them, but I can't imagine. I just think it this, like, I just can't get my head around it at all. But but then at the same time, I do know single friends that go to bars and they just say it's impossible to meet people It's out not and like, the, now. like the old yeah, days, is it? It's not like the old days.
0: No, you can't do that yeah. anymore. Tell me, I wanted to ask you something because you are part of the Primo's Hill set. Yeah. What is a set?
1: So well it's basically something that the press manipulated and made up for something. So it doesn't
0: come from you. This is the press made it up. No,
1: yeah, we never said it. And a lot of the people that they would say would be in the Primrose Hill set were didn't live in Primrose Hill or I don't know. It was just like, you know, there was a time when a group of friends, like there's many groups of friends all over the world or in whether they're in entertainment or not in entertainment or whatever you know, whatever professions. But we were just a group of friends and a lot of us were being hacked by the newspapers. So were so we were being hacked and stories written about us. There was um price on, on our heads and friends would sell stories or not so friends would sell stories, make things up. Well, your
0: own friends would sell stories uh, some, to the papers. Some of them did. And, oh you know, they they um Did you know who they were when it happened?
1: I used to who some of them were, you know, and a lot of people benefited. The ones who wanted to be a bit more famous or a bit more notorious would sell some stories and, you know. Um, I don't understand and, how
0: people can do that.
1: Well, they've got no backbone, I don't think. If if someone sells a story and, and they kind of put their friend in it and they and they do that, then that's you know it's pretty sad. But um, so it created this kind of um, a bit of a kind of snow snowball, and you know it just kind of went, and then there would be more and more stories. But it was just a shame, really, because actually we were just a group of friends who just had a good old time, and you know there was a, most of the things that were written were not true. So, but did it, you so.
0: enjoy it, or how did you feel about it?
1: You know, I loved a lot of the people who I was friends with at that time and I'm still friends with some of them and I don't really want to listen to what the newspapers said or and a lot of the time I didn't read any of those papers at that time because I was bringing up my kids and I didn't want to have a ne- all that negative stuff going into my head and, you know, the most important thing was being a good mum and, you know, they just laugh about it now because even if there's stuff where there's, they they keep comparing it now, like my kids are kind of living with it, you know, they just laugh. They don't, you know. They, they, the good thing is, this, maybe this generation just don't care at all about it. But, but you know, it really isn't that important. But I guess the thing was, we lived in a few miles of each other. Some of us were in the, you know, in bands or acting or whatever. And and we were just a group of friends, but it became more and more notorious because people wrote about it and sold stories or whatever.
0: Yeah, and you you made the the, the first pages of the papers. Yeah. So how many people were were you in this uh, set? I don't
1: know, but I'm guessing about ten. That's it. I think so. All I this fuss no for no, that? Yeah, I think it was a lot of fuss for nothing. <laughs> like you're right, it definitely wasn't very ooh la la either.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. And how did you feel about this when you were in the papers, where people were writing horrible? F- I mean, sometimes they would be writing nice stuff, and yeah. other time it would be horrible things. Think, how do How do you cope with that?
1: Um, you just have to concentrate on what's important to you, and and make you it made me more like well focus about well actually, I you know I know what I get up in the morning and I go to work and I have you know and I help other people or I've got a job and I have four children and I have a great family, so. Anything that they were writing, I was just trying to ignore because it wasn't really based on truth or fact. So I just tried to ignore it. But, of course, it sometimes hurt.
0: I can imagine. I can imagine. Tell me, did it cause any anxiety? Because I read that you are prone to anxiety and this is something that you you deal with it.
1: Yeah. At the time, I felt very kind of bullied and you just felt scared about, like, anything I do, someone's going to say something or... There was just a fear of being, you know, I didn't know who to trust, all that kind of stuff. And at that time, I did have anxiety because a load, a series of events happened at the same time that was very difficult. My father was dying. I was going through a divorce. My, a couple of my kids had been through, like, some childhood illnesses and things like that. And then, we were, then the papers were writing rubbish. So... You know, for me, it just if anything, it just made me stronger. I mean, you know, I'm a pretty strong, resilient person now that can use that strength to help other people. But I don't, you know, and I did suffer from anxiety hugely. And the last five, six, seven years, I I haven't, you know, I know I have to take care of myself, which is a brilliant thing. I, I do, you know, I I train, I eat well, I do positive things, I meditate. So so I live in a very positive. You know, even when rubbish is happening, shit's happening, whatever, I'm, I'm kind of, I, I know how to look after myself and protect myself. And then I was more vulnerable. But, you know, now I can apply and kind of reach out to other people, which I think is a great thing to be able to do. If I can help anybody, then I'm happy.
0: And when you have a, a crisis of anxiety like this, how does it demonstrate itself? What What's the worst that can happen to you when, when it happens?
1: So so it hasn't happened for a long time, but when it used to happen, I wouldn't be able to breathe so does
0: it triggered? I mean can you get f- do you know it's going to come because s- something happens and you can you know that trigger and you know it's coming or is it taking you by surprise or
1: Yeah, I mean a bit of both. It was just such a physical experience and you know just like I guess So it's both some-
0: physical and mental. Yeah, it just yeah, happens yeah, yeah, yeah. all at once. So
1: it's like being claustrophobic or agoraphobic or you know like like a flying might maybe trigger or getting in a lift or leaving the house and you know there'd be so there, there were lots of things at that po- that so time. How do you
0: how did you get over it then?
1: So I just spoke to different therapists that were very helpful, read a lot about anxiety, worked, you know, just had to work out and how to... And you say to, that and you're <laughs> smiling as you're yeah, saying it. because I'm so happy it doesn't happen now, but, but, but I know a lot of people that do experience anxiety now. And I, Could
0: you have stopped it earlier?
1: Really? Or did you have
0: to go through time and and going through it before you could actually stop it?
1: Yeah, I think you have to go through it and it was quite intense and you have to really face this kind of brick wall of fear and work out what that brick wall is. And, you know, it can be hormonal, it can be genetic, it can be circumstances or something that's happened in your life that you haven't known that's happened and something else. But we all suffer
0: from it in in one way or another, don't we?
1: I think so and there's definitely different levels of anxiety I would be at the point of having to call an ambulance my anxiety was oh, really? so bad I could yeah I couldn't breathe or just felt like something bad something so bad was going to happen I would call an ambulance so that that to me shows that at that point of my life yeah you've it, reached your level it was and that's over 10 years ago so so that shows me that you know that anything now like if I've got a little bit of anxiety because I'm late or I'm on the tube or um, I feel ill or can't get hold of someone. It, it's a normal level of anxiety that you, we're supposed to experience. But when you're kind of terrified, you know, that you can't cope, then that that, that is extreme.
0: Right. And, and how did it impact you and your family?
1: I, well, I had um, really good people around me to support me. So you know, my sisters and my mum and all of that kind of stuff. And and I think we dealt with it very swiftly and and I was just lucky to have people I could talk to. So um,
0: having people around you, really, that, that's yeah, the best way to...
1: I think that's the best way. And and now it isn't such a stigma. I think then...
0: But did you tell them straight away that this was happening to you or did it take time for you to, to admit it and tell them, look, I need some help here?
1: I think I had to pretty much admit it straight away. It was quite extreme. So within a couple of weeks of me just feeling really... So
0: it came out of the blue, out of nowhere?
1: Yeah, yeah, really? Yeah. Well, I think. Do a you remember the first episode? Well, I think it would be just you know when you, like my father died, I was divorcing, I was being followed down the street by fifty people, all right telling you know too it was just to, you know overload. I mean, everyone has a point where that how. I love how your eyes are shining <laughs> now when you're telling how, me. <laughs> we there's a you know there's so much anybody can take, and it's just a combination sometimes like that. One of those things on its own is deal it. You know you can deal, you can with, deal with it, it but yeah. when you talk to people and they've had. You know, three, four, five things happen all within a few weeks. That's when they are at breaking point. The the human mind, a body can't can't so it's a cope.
0: So, so your body tells you to reject it, and as yeah. you can't cope, you can't deal with it. And
1: yeah. And and life isn't plain sailing, and there is going to be so highs and
0: in, in a way. So, so sorry to cut you. It seems like it's a way. You know, it, it's your body telling you to to make it worse so that you can make it better.
1: I don't really know, like, the phys... phys-, phys-, phys- how do you say it? Phys-
0: F- physiology or...
1: Physiological. Where ah, okay. You know, uh, yeah, whatever. You're asking me but I, and you I'm know, French. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I sometimes can't pronounce words. But so I don't know, like, the actual... What actually is happening, but, but your mind is, contr- you know, telling you things that maybe, it. you know, there's a fear and it's producing lots of adrenaline or cortisol, a lot of stress hormones, and it's making you feel the like you can't cope. Fear is an
0: interesting topic. I mean, mm. I, I love boxing and I was reading a quote by uh, Mike Tyson talking about fear and he was saying that fear had to be his friend because yeah. if he was going in the ring and fear was his enemy, then it wouldn't work for him and he wouldn't be able to defeat his opponent. But because fear was his friend, he was using Mm-mm. fear in order to win.
1: Well, the thing is you have to face any kind of fear head on. Do you know? What I mean? It's so much better to to try and face it. I I remember when... um, So
0: was it an incredible fear that you had when you had these panic attacks?
1: Well, I think at that time just certain things would trigger it but if an example was when I was doing um well I was scared of heights and and if going you know in a lift or or skiing or something like that and then I learned to do flight be a flying to you know did flying trapeze for five years so that I had to come you know I had to get through the fear of of heights it's the same you know it's you know some people are more sensitive than others it certain things can trigger trigger things um I think you've just got to face it and be brave and have, you know, people around you and talk about it. And and the thing is, the more you don't talk about it, the bigger the problem will be.
0: Tell me, I'd like to go back on uh, the, what you were just saying now. You are a vegetarian
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you've never, ever eaten meat.
1: No. so Not
0: even a little lapin. A little what? A little rabbit.
1: No, not a I love a little. rabbit. No, don't say that's horrible. My mom, I'd be crying. My
0: mom cooks the best rabbit oh, no. in a mustard sauce. No, I mean, it's no, delicious. No, 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 no. Oh, I, my God. So,
1: so I have never eaten, intentionally eating meat. If, if somebody, maybe I've gone to a restaurant and I've said, is this only in this soup? Is there any meat? And they'd be like, no. And then I'd find, like, because I've never tasted it. So I could probably taste, a, you know, a little speckle of whatever it is. But no, I've never eaten meat or fish. and... Dedicated vegetarian, never had it in the house, never cooked um, meat or fish.
0: Your children are vegetarian? Um,
1: Three of them are vegetarian and the youngest one likes a good steak. Oh, really? I think he likes what his dad likes, you know, and I I couldn't tell him what, you know, that's what he wanted to eat, so.
0: Sure. What do you think of the whole veganism movement that's just...
1: Um, suddenly exploded and I guess it's it's great that, you know, people are more aware, um, it's gone so extreme to one way, but I mean, I think it's, I mean, for me being vegetarian all my life and never being able to get certain foods and now I can, you know, in England and, and America and quite a lot of places, there's a lot of variety, so um, there's really good, you know, cashew cheese, I mean, there's so much choice, so it's fantastic.
0: But you do eat cheese, right?
1: I eat um, vegetarian cheese, Yeah.
0: So you don't need any brie or camembert, no,
1: not if. Roquefort, you, no, not if it's got the. Comté. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's just milk that's coming out of a cow, oh, no, or you, saying, or no, no, come on. I like. Have you tried cashew cheese? It's really delicious.
0: Never. Well, no, I, I would be very happy. To, what about butter?
1: Yeah, butter's. butters oh my right? god, yeah. salted
0: butter, yeah. a bit of bread. Yeah. Oh, that's nice.
1: Yeah, I, I like and I like goats' butter. Goat, yeah.
0: Mm, goat goat, goat, cheese. goat it's cheese, lovely. And
1: goat's butter, yeah.
0: Well, I wish you could try my mum's rabbit, but no, uh, no, obviously no it's way. never going to happen.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, no, never, ever. <laughs>
0: really? Well, you, I mean, look, why not? You know, I think it's it's good. I mean, mm. if you can do, I'm just wondering. Cause I I love meat. I love fish, I love all food. Really, snails, have you eat? Would you eat a snail? No
1: way, no. I wouldn't eat anything. Like oh. only vegetables.
0: <laughs> but um, for me, yeah, I just think oh, it would be very strange for me to just eat vegetables. I know you can eat vegetables and be very healthy, but it's just the taste and the diversity. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I'm kind of made to eat everything. I'm an omnivore.
1: Well, the thing is, I don't feel like I'm limited or my diet's ever boring. You know what I mean? For me, like just some, you know, like a, a tomato slice with lots of salt and pepper and garlic on it is is just as tasty as anything or curry or, you know, there's so many. Oh, but in India, you're well at home yeah, being vegetarian. there's some great food for me to eat in India. And I like Ayurvedic food and food that I know is healthy and good for the environment. I'm not worrying about having, you know, this just seems crazy, the amount of meat and fish, I mean I guess in the beginning people would eat like maybe a piece of fish once a week or a bit of meat once a week and they would let it last but now you know, I have friends that might have two fish a day, they'll be eating, consuming like two pieces of fish themselves or whole fishes and then me. and I'm like you know how many animals and fish did you have to kill today to
0: yeah. just it's support
1: like, yourself, you know
0: It's like almost extreme consumerism yeah, isn't it? just
1: too much, I find it quite vulgar so I think this meat-free Monday thing's really good. If if someone doesn't want to be a vegetarian, that's their prerogative. But, you know, just to kind of have that, you know, we don't have to consume so much.
0: Tell me, something I'm very impressed that I've read about you is that you're in very good terms with uh, Jude Law, who is the father of your uh, three children. Absolutely. And I, I'm very impressed. I think it's fantastic. So many people divorce. I mean, it's like 50% of marriages end mm-hmm. up in divorce in the mm-hmm. UK. And a lot of people fight to the death mm-hmm. almost. But you really like one another and you spend Christmas and all sort of time together as a family.
1: I think it's very important to respect the, you know, the the mother or father of your children. And he's a great dad and we had a lot in common for a long time. We spent 10 years together. We grew up together. We kind of discovered each other in amazing times in our life. And, you know, he's so much of my children that I have to... Love him and and I hopefully he would respect me and I would respect him. So, you know, it's something you have to work at. But he's been a great dad. It's not
0: something that came na- uh, naturally or easily. No, you you know, have to work on it, or think,
1: you know, it's very difficult if you are parenting but you're not living together and you're not having doing all the other ooh la la stuff that you'd be doing. You know, and you'd be, but you're still parents. So, so the thing is, it came. It wasn't difficult, but you you still have to work at anything. You know, you have to work anywhere. Yeah,
0: nothing comes easy in life. You're right, you're right. Ooh la la. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Sadie, it was a pleasure spending all this time with you. Thank you very much indeed.
1: It's the most conversation I've had in a while, so thank you. Brilliant. See you soon. See you.
0: Hola oh la la, the podcast was brought to you in association with Expedia. Expedia offers thousands of hotel deals to suit all tastes and budgets. Choose from bed and breakfast, affordable hostels, five-star hotels and everything in between. There is something for everyone.